This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. On the show, you'll hear from everyday people changing their lives doing property development. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they've faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques that you can use to accelerate your property journey. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and I'm the founder of The Rising Star Developer, and I'm really passionate about helping everyday Australians build lifestyle using property development. Welcome, dear listeners, to another exciting episode of Building Lifestyles, the podcast where we help people build lifestyle using small-scale property development. I'm your host, Amanda McEwen, and today we have a very special guest with us, someone who holds a wealth of knowledge in the intricate world of finance and property development. He's not only our guest, but he also happens to be my favourite person in the world, my husband, Alastair. Alastair is no ordinary guest. With over two decades of experience as a seasoned banker, He's here to simplify the mysteries of property development finance. Whether you're a seasoned developer or just stepping into the world of property development, Alastair's insights are going to be invaluable. So if you've ever found yourself scratching your head over residential, commercial or development funding, or if you're seeking to make your next development venture a six-figure success, then this episode is tailor-made for you. Alastair's experience is going to simplify this complex topic, making it easier for you to navigate the financial side of property development. So grab your notepads and get ready to learn from the best. So let's get into it. Hello, Alistair. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's just start with, can you share with the listeners your background in finance and how it's helped you understand property development finance? So I started in accounting and corporate finance at the beginning of my career and then investment banking style work in the corporate finance team within accounting. For over 17 years, I've worked for a commercial bank looking at variety of different transactions, both trading businesses and also property, whether that be property investment or property development. So broad, a broad range of different styles of customers and transactions that I've worked with over the years. And then you've also had the benefit of being able to work in background in our property development business as well. So that's been really helpful with the way that we structure our own deals, being able to tap into your wealth of knowledge there too. Yeah. So um, I keep an eye on things and what you're doing in the background and we chat about it over the dinner table so yeah get a lot of insight as to what you're doing with your property development journey yeah and Al certainly always brings in his element into our conversations which no doubt you've heard me gag about to the past so that risk profile is brought into both from a financial perspective but also from a project perspective too so for the listeners can you share with us what are the key differences between residential commercial and development funding and how do these differences impact property developers? Because the question I quite often get asked by my students, they can't quite get their head around the difference between these types of funding. Yeah, well, I mean, residential versus commercial property development funding, it's typically determined by the number of dwellings that you're doing. So if you're only doing two dwellings, you might be doing duplex, for example, you're likely to be using residential or consumer funding for a small development like that. If you're doing a larger scale development, so four, five, six plus dwellings, then you're likely to take development funding under a commercial banking product in that scenario. So primarily it's the number of dwellings that will drive whether you're using a residential product or a commercial product for your development funding. And then there's what can be confusing as well as some people, there's also the term development funding as well. So how does that differ to 
commercial? Well, development funding is specifically to, you know, as it sounds, to, to assist you with facilitating the execution of the development. Whereas, for example, when you acquire the site, you might use a residential or a commercial product to acquire the site. And then subsequently, once you've received all of your development approvals, you've got all of the ducks in a row, then you'll need to go to the market to seek development funding to facilitate the costs involved in executing on the development. In terms of when you acquire the site, that, as I said, that might be a residential product you use initially. There might be a home on the on the property, for example, that you rent out for a period of time. So it may be that you fund that under a consumer product. And then you convert the whole project to commercial funding, for example. If, for example, you're putting, say, five, six or more dwellings on it, you, you refinance that loan to a commercial loan and add on top of that the development funding required to allow you to execute on the transaction. So as a funding product, we really can be using the word commercial and development funding as the same sort of thing. So I guess commercial covers everything within business. Is that right? Yeah, commercial is very broad. Whereas broad, whereas development is specific to development. Commercial development funding is just one category of commercial commercial lending. I mean, commercial lending is very broad. I mean, it covers... Lending to businesses it might be an overdraft for a business. It might be a debtor finance facility for a business. It might be equipment finance. It might be car finance. You know, it could be trade finance. Commercial commercial lending is, is extremely broad. And then it can also include you know, commercial property investment funding. So development funding is just one category of you know, the broad the broad category of commercial lending, if you like. Okay, that makes sense. So if a property developer is looking to use residential or commercial, what are the differences between the two when it comes to applying for these types of funding? When it comes to a development, the differences are not much. I mean, you've still got to provide the same information for a development, whether you're, for example, if you're just doing a small two-site de- development and you were doing that under a residential product, versus doing a slightly larger development under commercial products, so you're doing six dwellings. The information requirements are still reasonably similar in terms of what you need to provide to prove up the feasibility, the structure, and the various information requirements to, to allow bank to assess your, your development application. What about from equity perspective? So residential funding versus commercial funding in terms of the amount of funds that you need to contribute as your portion of the deal funding? Differs from from case to case, deal to deal. Yeah. Generally speaking, residential, you might be looking at up to 80%, but again, it will depend on the transaction. Yeah. Commercial, it might be 70, 75%, again, depending on the transaction. Horses for courses, deal by deal. Yeah. But as a rule, residential, you might be able to seek a slightly higher LVR than and under a commercial product. So LVR loan to value ratio, just for those who are managing Yes, the ratio of the total loan amount to the end value of the products that you're looking to produce. Yeah. And when we're saying 70 to 80%, we're talking about the bank providing 70% of the debt or 80% of the debt. So just to clarify that as well. What about from a serviceability perspective? So 80% or 80% of the total of the total cost, cost yeah, of the project, yeah. Which is the debt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So what about from a serviceability perspective? Because we know that banks look at the deal a bit differently in residential compared to commercial. So perhaps if you can cover that. And then also from a serviceability perspective. So if you can give a bit of an insight about those different types. Again, it's very dependent on the on transaction. Yeah. Uh, if you were looking to build a duplex, say, on spec and not pre-sell either of them, mm-hmm. then it may be that you're required to prove that you can service the 
service the loan on the way through. Yeah. Because you don't have an end takeout position for the loan. Yeah. So demonstrating that you can service the loan while you're building the product. And at the end, assuming the assumption that it might take you a period of time to sell them. Yeah. Versus another scenario where you've managed to pre-sale enough of the dwellings that you've got 100% debt coverage on completion. It may be that the bank will look at the project in isolation mm-hmm. without external income required to demonstrate servicing of the loan. So it will vary depending on transaction and how it's structured, whether you've got pre-sales, whether you haven't, mm-hmm. um, as to as to what level and what information you need to provide from a servicing point of view and what's, what would be expected of you from a servicing point of view. So why do banks require pre-sales anyway? Well, pre-sales is a way of mitigating the risk on, on the project in terms of clearance of the debt facility on completion of the project. They're not always required. Again, for example, that example I just gave, if an individual has enough external income to service the loan, then it may be that pre-sales are, are not a requirement. Whereas if there isn't that external income, then it may be that those pre-sales are required. So right, it's a way of de-risking the project in that it provides an exit source for the developer and ultimately a financier on completion of the project because you've got you've achieved those sales ahead of completion of the project. So that once the project completes, you can settle on those dwellings and clear the debt quickly. Yeah, okay. So under commercial funding, does that require reviewing your serviceability of your own income or does that more look at the profitability and the financials of the project? Because we know with residential, your finances, your, your income is typically always included as part of your serviceability. Is that the same for commercial funding as well? Again, it depends on the level of pre-sales that you're looking to achieve. Yeah. Um, as to whether your income is a required source of servicing for the loan Mm -hmm. versus if you've achieved enough pre-sales that on completion, your debt's going to be fully cleared. It may be that your external income is not required as a servicing source in terms of making the deal stack up from a finance perspective. Yeah, okay. So for in terms of banks assessing developers, are there any key things that developers need to be thinking about like in terms of content they're providing to banks to help them assess them in the best possible light yeah well, i think the more organized you are the more information that you can provide to a bank when you go to apply for your loan better in terms of you have a detailed feasibility for the project which demonstrates that it's a feasible project and you've considered all of the costs all of the risk elements of the project whether that be planning risk whether that be construction risk settlement risk when you're selling the product and completion that you've demonstrated a good knowledge of the market that you're looking to to sell the product into that's the right product at the right price for that market you've got all of your own personal financials in order mm-hmm. um, you can demonstrate that you've got a sound financial position to be able to support the project. The more information and the more organised you are when you go to apply for your loan, the the higher the probability of achieving a finance approval. Yeah, and I guess for our projects... Yeah, sorry, the other thing is required development approvals as well, the planning approval and then the building rules consent approval, bringing all that to the bank gives you a stronger chance of getting your finance approval across the line. Yeah, so as we, what we do is we create an information memorandum which captures all this information and we give that document to the banks to give them a level of comfort around what we do, what the deal is, our experience, the numbers, all that sort of stuff. And that's a template that I give to my students as well inside the inner circle to help them get their funding. So if you know these little secrets, they're the things that can really make a difference in terms of being able to get 
the bank to say yes for your funding as opposed to someone who's got no idea and suddenly goes to the bank and say, hey, I want a couple of million dollars to do a five site without providing this information. Like put yourself in the bank's shoes and would you lend to them as well? So you really want to make sure you're prepared. So it- yeah, I mean, ultimately you want to be demonstrating that you've considered all of the various risk elements of the project. Mm-hmm. You, you're demonstrating that you know what you're doing to give the bank confidence in terms of the capability of the sponsor for the project, i.e. yourself as the driver of the project, that you're organised and you've got a strong probability of executing on a successful project. Yeah, okay. So what are the pros and cons of residential versus commercial? I mean, commercial will capture development funding in there. So why would you consider going commercial instead of residential? I don't think there's pros and cons with either. I think it really depends on the transaction as to what is the appropriate product for your transaction yeah um, I, don't, I don't see pros and cons with either they're both either either is ultimately looking to achieve the same goal for yourself and that is obviously to fund your project yeah and as i said it, it will generally depend on the size of the project and the number of dwellings you're producing as to whether it qualifies for a consumer product mm-hmm. or a commercial product and either is in my eyes very user friendly and strong option for a developer to, depending on the project they're looking to execute on yeah, because it's interesting. And many times when I'm speaking to my students, a lot of students tend to be really nervous about considering commercial funding versus residential. And it's like this is big, scary beast and, and it's going to be really hard to navigate. But in reality, whether it's residential funding or commercial funding, it's whatever's going to be the best, best finance outcome for your project. So I guess the key lesson here that I want to impress upon you all is don't get worried about whether it's residential or commercial. Make sure you've got a really good broker to work with and they'll do the navigating for you. And depending on a bank's profile and what they're looking for at the time and, and what they can offer you, generally the right financing option will fall out of that anyway. What about from an interest rate perspective? Is, is residential tend to be cheaper from an interest perspective than commercial? Not necessarily. Again, it's it's project by project. Yeah. For example, you might get a sharper or lower interest rate if you've got a low level of debt in your project. Yeah. If a project's primarily equity funded, for example, when you're after a very small amount of debt, yeah. You know that the interest rate might vary on that project versus you know, a project where you're looking for a higher proportion of debt as opposed to equity. So yeah, not necessarily. It, yeah. Okay. It really depends on the transaction as to. Um, you know, the, the interest rate that is applied to that particular loan, yeah. residential or commercial. Yeah, okay, all right. So can we just talk through more the concept of loan to cost to loan to value? So, and just explain why that exists and whether that's linked more to residential or commercial funding. No specific link. The difference between the two, loan to cost, loan to cost ratio, the ratio of the total loan value to the total cost of the project, as opposed to the valuation ratio, which usually is the ratio of the total amount of the loan to the total value of the dwellings you produce, you're producing and what they're worth on completion. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so how can this benefit a developer from those two different strategies? Can one provide more debt funding than the other, which means that the developer has to put in less of their own equity? Not necessarily. It just depends how the bank is how the bank is looking at it and what they're comfortable with. Okay. You know, as to whether they're they're more you know focused and uh, applying their analysis based on a the cost 
basis or a loan-to-valuation basis. Yeah, okay. And these are questions worth asking your broker or your bank. So the reason why I ask that question is so you actually know there's two differences when banks are assessing the funding they're giving to you, and that can vary how much they lend to you too and how much equity you need to provide in the project. So hopefully that's of interest there. Because it may be that you've got a really strong or or loan-to-valuation ratio you know, based the product you're producing and what they're worth on completion. But the bank might like you to have a certain level of equity in the project to achieve a to to achieve a certain loan to cost ratio as a means of risk mitigation on the way through the project. They're not necessarily linked. Yeah, so. okay. All right. And how does the approval process differ from residential versus commercial does it go through a different process does one tend to take longer than another no not in my experience and look it'll probably differ from financier to financier as to as to time frames residential versus commercial but you know, as i said before the information requirements for the food categories of funding are not are not starkly different in terms of what you need to provide yeah and in my experience the, the time frames are not starkly different yeah, okay, that's interesting. As I said, it really depends on the type of project and what's the appropriate and applicable product for your development. Yeah, okay. And what role does a developer's credit score and financial history play in securing finance for a development project? Well, it certainly it certainly plays a role. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, if you've got a strong credit history, yeah. then that's a big tick for you as part of your finance application. So. Certainly advisable yeah. to, to maintain strong and clean credit history. Yeah, okay. No, absolutely. So far, we've only really covered residential and commercial funding. There is also private lending. So can you perhaps just, before we go into a bit more detail around construction funding, can you just explain the difference between, say, we've spoken about residential and commercial. What is private lending and, and why would someone use private lending? Private lending is typically lending provided by non, non-bank financial institutions. Yeah. It's, and the terms and conditions may vary from that of a major bank. Yeah. So that's the key difference. Yeah. Um, it's generally private organisations as I said, non-bank financial institutions that provide the private lending yeah. you know, as opposed to what we've really been talking about so far, which is residential or commercial lending products that are provided by mainstream banks. Yeah, okay. And why would you consider doing private, using private lending than a commercial bank, like as a traditional bank? Well, you might consider it if, if for example, your project falls outside of the, the comfort levels and guidance levels that a major bank is prepared to entertain. Yeah. You might then look to private lending as an alternative if mm. you've explored that as an option yeah. um, and been unsuccessful. Yeah, okay. And is it more expensive? Is it more risky? What things do you need to be aware about if you do go down the private lending path? It's really case by case. Yeah, okay. Uh, you can't really be specific on that question. Yeah. It's, it comes down to the transaction. Yeah. The level of debt versus equity, the type of project, the number of dwellings. Yeah. Where are you doing the project? So it's, yeah, there's a, there's a variety of different factors that go into play in terms of determining the level of risk and the appetite levels that banks have for transactions versus private lenders, for example. Yeah. So do you, do you generally pay a higher interest rate and higher setup costs than you would generally you the do. bank? Yeah. Generally you do, yes. So it's generally more, more expensive form of debt. Generally it is, yes. And does it generally have more restrictions around it as well in terms of the timeframes and things like that? Is that case by case as well? Case by case, depending on the, the private lender that you're working with. Okay. All right, great. So 
Let's just walk through the typical stages of a property development project. So regardless of whether you're using residential or commercial, can we just talk through how you go through funding a project? So from your land to your construction and then how how that, how you tap into that funding? Yeah, well, I mean, for example, if you were doing a, let's say you were doing a, a six a six dwelling townhouse development on a block of land that you're acquiring in a in a typical residential suburb, which has got a, an old house on it that you're looking to to knock over and subdivide. Yeah. Using that as, a, as an example of a transaction, you look to acquire the, the house first or the property first. Yeah. For example, you might acquire that sourcing residential or consumer funding to purchase the home that, that resides on the land. And for example, you might rent, rent that home out for a small period of time while, while you're doing the work on your development, getting your necessary planning and development approvals, getting your ducks in a row in terms of you know potential equity contributions and the like. So you might fund the, the original land purchase under a residential product. Once you're ready to apply for your development funding, and if you're doing, say, six dwellings, it's, it's likely that you do that under a commercial lending product. You do your application to the bank and then you get that approved. So you'd have to refinance the existing land loan. And then you've got the additional increase in the loan amount to fund to assist with funding for the development and that increase you typically speaking you do you've engaged a third-party builder you draw down in state progress stages for example slab then frame then roof etc yeah similar to if you were if you, if you were building your own home and you, you draw down yeah you draw down in your development loan in progress stages as as and when the builder completes each stage and submits you with a progress claim until you get to completion and then obviously on the assumption that you're selling the dwellings rather than retaining them you then sell the dwellings and and then progressively pay back the facility as the dwellings sell yeah okay all right so many new developers struggle with getting the securing the necessary funding. So what are common challenges that they face and any strategies to overcome them? Uh, I mean, a common challenge is obviously the required level of equity yeah. uh, to contribute to a project. Yeah. So I see a lot of examples where people join forces with joint venture partners or money partners to round up the required level of equity uh, yeah. to put into a project. Okay. Uh, that's one common challenge. And just be mindful of the stages of risk through the project as well. So when acquiring a site, ensuring that you're comfortable around what's what's achievable on the site, the planning risk, yeah. as I often refer to it as. Um, I look at the planning risk, and then look at the construction risk. So making sure you select a builder that you're really comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one thing. Another thing that banks pay a lot of attention to yeah. is the builder and mm -hmm. That they're comfortable that their customers are engaging a builder that's capable of delivering on the project for for the customer. Yeah, and then market to then sell the dwellings on completion. Yeah, making sure that there's comfort levels around the type of product that's been developed. Is it the right product at the right price in the right area? Yeah, to ultimately repay the facility on completion of the project. Yeah, and that's one thing we certainly talk about a lot inside the inner circle is each module that we teach has a very strong risk element, probably because of yourself uh, drumming it to home to me on a regular basis, but we are certainly making sure that you're aware of the risks at each stage of a project and then be able to manage them. And that gives finance a lot more confidence in your ability to be able to complete a project and manage risk. So just to wrap up, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting in their property development journey and wants to make informed decisions about financing their projects effectively? Um, make sure that you're well-educated on development yourself first. Because yeah. uh, as I said, ultimately, when you present to the bank, 
you want to demonstrate you've done all the necessary research and considered all the necessary risks and all of your ducks in a row to give your project the best chance of success. Yeah. So make sure you're well-educated, you've got all the required information yeah. and engage with others that are experienced in sourcing development funding. If that's that's an area that you're struggling in a bit, get their advice on what you should be doing and what information you should be providing, what finance is going to be interested in so that you front up you're, you're maximising your chances of getting an approval. Yeah, for sure. And I certainly find from our experience having a broker that understands property development and it can help navigate all the bank's risk appetite for development has been really, really important for our projects as well. All right, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I hope that the listeners have taken away something out of here that takes away the fear from the difference between residential and commercial funding. At the end of the day, we want to make sure we're getting funding, the right type of funding for the specifics of your project. But I hope today has made things a bit clearer and a bit simpler to understand when it comes to funding and development projects. So thanks so much for being here today, Al. No problem. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening. This is Building Lifestyles, a show designed to help everyday Australians create a lifestyle that inspires them using property development strategies. This podcast was produced by the Rising Star Developer. We've been helping Australians realise their financial and lifestyle goals since 2020. We play a pivotal role in educating, supporting and celebrating the goals and successes of our students and our community. To find out how we can help you realise your property, wealth and lifestyle goals, head to our website www.risingstardeveloper.com.au To make sure you don't miss an episode of Building Lifestyles, be sure to subscribe to and follow the show in your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review as it really helps others find the show. I'm Amanda McEwen and we'll be back next episode with more tips on how you can build your lifestyle.